0: during the cocktail hour while guests are just mingling and having a good time. Don't forget about dinner music, that's very important to set the mood while guests eat. And we definitely can't forget the party. Let's get the party started right now with The DNA Project. CA for more information.
1: Hello, bonjour, moi, guan, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of The DNA Airwaves. Each episode of the podcast is recorded, produced, and mixed right here at the MPL in Toronto. The MPL is a collection of film and audio studios dedicated to making everything visually look brilliant and everything audio sound amazing. Please check out the-MPL, that's maple without the vowels, .com to learn more. It's also brought to you by The DNA Project dna project is your one-stop shop for all of your live entertainment needs please feel free to check them out before your next live event at the dna our guest on today's episode of the podcast is the founder of the canadian synesthesia association greg jarvis Greg is a Toronto native who has worked in the music industry here in Toronto and over in the UK since the early 1990s, working for major labels like BMG and Universal. He's currently a professor at Durham College's Media Arts and Design School, where he teaches musical history. In this episode of the podcast, we continue on from episode 13 with Bridget O'Regan and Blake Hamilton, where we discussed synesthesia for the first time so we sit down with greg and talk about his experience with this perceptual phenomenon and what led him to starting the association in the first place cool conversation with a cool cat and we hope you guys enjoy it this is the dna airwaves
2: They go for 800, 800 bucks, and they're hard to find. The Tree Works 140 bar ones,
3: but those are the chimes of chimes. Oh, that's like uh, the... <laughs> okay. Why not just buy a few uh, thinner chimes and just glue them together? <laughs> I don't understand how that would work, but okay. There would just be more chimes at the same time. Oh, not the chimes themselves. You glue the talk together. Oh, I see what you're saying. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a guy in Lebanon
2: who's done that biggest set of chimes in the world that just goes on and on and on and on, round and round as he goes. Yeah. Interesting.
3: That's an accomplished man. (laughs) Is that what he's known for?
2: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, he's like like the Lebanese chime guy. Like he's put himself on the map as one of the world's preeminent chimes players. Wow. Chimes players, we're work. learning. Yeah, is that, there
1: yeah. are there prominent chimes players?
2: Yeah, <laughs> he's the Isn't only one I know what? of. You
1: know? Chim- chimist, yeah, chimist. what are they called? <laughs> chimist, Chemist. chumist That's Chim- taking it somewhere. What's a chime player called? i gonna go with chimist. chimist, it's gotta be Chimist, similar
0: to Chemist. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So we're gonna have to, someone tell me, please. I'm dying to know. Well, email us, guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's switch gears a little bit. So today, we have with us Mr. Greg Jarvis. Um, we have you here for a number of reasons, Greg. And first of all, thanks for joining us. Appreciate um, it. Yeah, we're looking yeah happy forward to, to be
2: here. We're
0: going to talk a little bit about synesthesia. I know we've talked about that on air and we had a lot of interest actually. So um, I wanted to bring you on to get your insights and experience in that area and then just talk through your career and some other things as well. Um, so maybe we'll just start off with that. Can you just give us kind of a breakdown for anyone who doesn't know what uh, synesthesia is? So... Synesthesia, about
2: 4% of the population have it. So if people are listening, hey, there's a likelihood you might be in that boat. Mm. And people are born with it, and it's crossed senses. And people don't realize the way they experience the world is different to others until Mm -hmm. they hear a podcast like this about synesthesia and go, oh, that sounds like me. So when we're talking about crossed senses... Um, It can be any sort of senses crossed. For me, what I have is I've got my sound and my vision crosswired, And I was born Mm. that way. So all sound that I hear, I see it out in front of me as visual shapes. Mm. And then with speaking, I see there's kind of a ticker tape of the words going on past as well. And these are all in alternate layers of vision. There's no confusion between what I'm really seeing and what's in that alternate layer of vision that my mind is creating based on the audio stuff coming in. Mm -hmm. But really, it can be any form of it. And I'm the founder and director of the Canadian Synesthesia Association. And we've got about 300 members who've signed up across Canada. And if you're in Canada, sign on up. And if you're outside Canada, you can sign up too. We just ask where you are so that we know these things. Yes. And Really, some of the people what they experience is touch to taste, where they touch a surface and if it's textured, it produces one flavor in their mouth. They'll touch <laughs> another surface, it'll produce a surface and yeah. it'll produce another flavor in their mouth. Yeah, right? interesting. Yeah, some people get flavors when they hear words. Some people get sense when they're hearing music. Mm-hmm. Right. It was really hmm. any two sorts of senses can be crossed, and. You just go through life with this until you suddenly hear that, oh, other people don't experience the world that way and that these wow. things are unique. The most common form of it is uh, is graphene color synesthesia, mm-hmm. which is where people see a word and the A will be red and the B will be pink and the sea will be purple or whatever. Everyone's mm. got their own unique colors for these things. Okay. And so that's really the most common form. When we're talking about 4% of people on earth having synesthesia, yeah, that's the type that's really the 4%. Mm-hmm. And the other gotcha. ones like seeing sound, tasting words, yeah. that's really getting to 1% or even below
0: at that point. Interesting and mind blowing. So let's talk a little bit about the specific type of synesthesia that you experience. And you mentioned it in two parts, I think, because you hear music differently than you'd hear, like uh, spoken um, word. <clears throat> was that a echo? Or was yeah, that was cool. Let's do that more often.
2: Yeah, words <laughs> definitely do stand on out. But for me, okay. it's not just music; it's it's all sounds. sound. Sound. Okay. And so, for all synesthetes who are, have sound as the trigger in their synesthesia, then it's all sounds, not just music. Interesting.
1: Do you so, remember? Sorry. Do you remember one of your first experiences with that? Like. The well, shapes and the things coming up as you're hearing. Well,
2: start. yeah, because once you find out it's unique, then you kind of go back and you start thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I can clearly remember I, I'm nearly 50. I remember my dad coming home in 1977 and my brother and I loved Star Wars. yeah. Right? yeah. And he'd bought the Star Wars theme song, the disco version. It was actually a hit record in Canada at the <laughs> time. The disco version? Yeah. it at, By Mecca, absolutely amazing and wow. even more amazing that it charted. But Star Wars and disco, 1977, genius idea to do it. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But I remember I would just play it again and again and again because I'd never experienced any music like that. And I can still recall all the visual to it because you've got all that wow. orchestra stuff going on yeah. and the thumping disco beats, these big dots under all these swaths of Beethoven-like stuff. Wow. And then you've got all these outer space effects mixed on in, the lasers. Oh, so wow. them shooting on kind of through all the swaths of, of Beethoven stuff yeah. there. right? Yeah. That's... Uh, that's yeah, so I definitely have that clear memory of listening to that again and again. And it just lit up my brain like my mom's Elvis
0: records never did. Uh, wow. What was the difference? Like, what did you see or sense? It's just
2: all the extra layers going on. Okay. Whereas, you know, if I'm listening, like 1950s Elvis, you've just got a guitar, and yeah. you know, just really kind of plinky guitar. Right, and yeah. kind of minimalist too, really, when you're talking 50s rock True. and roll. And then the bass, you know, just these darker... Kind of blobs down below, and then the circles of the drums going on. Though Elvis's voice is a nice, beautiful, thick
0: ribbon cutting through it all. Very interesting. I'm trying to picture that as you as you describe it.
1: Yeah. Did do you share? Did you share with anyone that experience? Like, hey, are you are
2: you seeing this at the same time? Like, well, no, you because you just assume everyone else is seeing it, right? Huh. You know, it's the same way that you know if you look at, say. Some nature off in the distance, mm-hmm. and someone standing next to you, there's things you mention and things you just drop out in mentioning what you're seeing. True. And so yeah. it's the same thing with sound. And it amazes me because I mean, many people have been in the music business 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's amazing that they talked about music all day, every day for their living. Yeah. But seeing music never came up. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, that is, yeah, wow. Yeah. And the most common form of synesthesia related to music, it's called chromesthesia. And that's where people get a sense of a color from the music.
1: That's the one I was first introduced to was when people hear music, they see colors based on the notes or the tone. It's very
3: common. I remember when we were working with a producer, we were like 15, 16. It was our first album and I wasn't singing right. I was too flat Then I was too sharp. I didn't quite understand how to do it yet. And I remember Peter Spencer, our producer, was like, just think like, so that note is orange, try to make it redder. And I don't think he understood <laughs> that he has synesthesia right. and I had no idea what he was talking yeah, about. Yeah, That's yeah. Not much yeah. Direction well, safe. exactly. And this is
2: thing, it's just part of your innate understanding of music. And mm-hmm. so it does happen often that mm-hmm. there's a famous quote from Liszt, the Hungarian composer, who was uh, saying to the orchestra one, gentlemen, a little more blue, if you please. Right. And they're all like, you know, yeah. oh, is there swearing in this or no swearing It in doesn't this? matter. Oh. And they're all like, what the fuck? That's, yeah. You know, yeah. That, uh, yeah. Uh, but and the colors yeah. that people experience, sometimes it's based on the pitch. Right. Sometimes okay. it's based on the emotions. Yeah. Right. And sometimes it's based on the timbres of the instruments. So it's, you know, depending on the person. Or for some people, it's based on all of those and can create a combination of it. Interesting. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, like with the shapes that I see with my type of synesthesia, the size of the shapes is very linked to the volume of it. Right. Where the shape appears is very linked to both the sound source and the acoustics of the room.
1: Right. And do you recall specifically the uh, the time where you shared it with someone and realized it wasn't... Uh, Happening to everybody?
2: Well, for me, I realized that I was marking a student's... I'm a professor of music business, and I was originally doing this uh, in London, England. Mm -hmm. And I was marking a student's paper. And as I was going through it, there was a line in it saying, some people see music and it's called synesthesia. Mm. 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 And I read that line and I was kind of like, oh, you mean not everybody sees music? Oh, exactly. And then, you know, I Googled synesthesia for a couple days, you know, asked a few friends, (laughs) and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah,
0: wow. You know,
2: and that's usually the journey is people hear something like this, and then they Google for a while. Right, right. And then, uh, you know, eventually they go, oh, I think that's me. One of them,
0: yeah. That's amazing. as a musician, because you're a musician too, um, how does, how does that, How's this uh, kind of worked as far as do you... Well, here's my real question. Do you remember music by what you see? Like you said that you, ex, you explained that well, you see... Well, for me,
2: the, it's it's one thing. It, okay. Sound and vision is one thing.
0: Okay. Do
3: you remember your mother by her voice or by her visuals, right? Sorry, do I remember... Your mother by her voice or by the way she looks, right? It's both. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Just, no, because you described the Star Trek... Our Star Wars in such detail, I thought that maybe you were recalling specific, like a specific picture of that, but that was just generally what you were saying. Exactly. Then. I okay. mean, I'm
2: just talking about the visual side yeah, of yeah, the yeah. sound okay. in the same way we could talk, be talking about the tone of the bass. Right, yeah. Kind yeah, of yeah. Thing. Mm. Okay, cool. So it's just really a, an extra dimension to sound. Mm. Got you. And there's a lot of different ways you can focus in on it, um, but you were asking about it in terms of being a musician. If, you know, having synesthesia as a musician, it's it's absolutely an additional tool to use. You can imagine. And um, for me, what it's absolutely great for is arrangements. So, like, I've mm. done a symphony, and I'm actually working on bits of it today because it's to get a world premiere in Russia, mm, nice. and. I've been just working on all the different layers. And there's about 176 different layers of it. And I can't even fathom how people can work with that kind of volume of sound if they're blind, yeah, if they can't yeah. see what's yeah. going on kind right. of thing. Huh. That, uh, so in yeah. that sense, it really is a hugely useful tool. And it helps me see, see where the gaps and things are and fill those gaps and decorate things and usually what works right visually also is working right in terms of the audio sense of things
0: yeah because i was just wondering that also because you can see it visually but others might like myself can't and i wondered if you take that into consideration when you're creating these master like these big pieces at least what you see doesn't Come to me, so I'm only hearing it. Does that do you think about that at all, or does it make a difference?
2: No, with my music, what I really just focus in on is just packing it like a fireworks show for my synesthesia. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so that just gives me the biggest synesthetic bang possible oh, with things okay. going off all over the place. There's one record of mine, oh, which was the third Flowers of Hell album. Where I did that in surround sound because the shapes I see they are all around me, mm-hmm. and so I rarely get to hear it in surround sound. But when I do put it on, it's truly a big animated abstract forty-five minute movie.
3: Wow! But, if uh, you want, we can export it for you in a way where you could hear surround sound through headphones. Mm, that's me,
2: interesting, actually. Yeah. If you can give, does me it the really file- seem yes. like
3: it? Well, think think about it. You only have two ears. Yeah. Right. This is true. Five speakers ben. around you are yeah. still entering two ears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now,
2: that's a very good way right? to put so it.
3: So there's a fairly simple way to just calculate how much of which sound would enter which ear at what volume and with which time delay. And it it's called uh, binaural audio. It only works on oh, headphones. Yeah, yeah um and not binaural beats that yeah. is a nonsense term that doesn't mean anything people google these binaural beats <laughs> yeah. quote unquote and not binaural uh, frequencies either none of that stuff yeah, yeah mm-hmm. those are just words yeah, binaural on the applies to a lot have of you things. heard about this binaural beats and binaural frequencies are they're these youtube videos that claim to clean your brain or w- oh. whatever effects uh, they have on you people sit and just goes yeah. and they think it's it's not just a placebo effect for focus but, and stuff <laughs> Well, whichever but binaural i mean
2: that's a judgement on it cuz i do know a lot of sound healers and sound healing is mm. all about getting crystal bowls where one is slightly out to the other one to create that binaural frequency yeah and if you ever hear those crystal bowls or the the metal tibetan ones done live where the binaural is just right it truly is an amazing effect to experience Um, the other place you get that off uh, that the sound healers use a lot is tuning forks and Mm. again if you've got the different forks and they're just slightly out you get that wavering sound of out of tune notes going through your head that's called phasing that's not
3: well that's that's the thing is that there there are names for what they're describing although some of these videos are literally just Uh, an oscillator and nothing else well yeah Uh, but yeah yeah, binaural is just referring to how your brain decodes um direction around you right if you have two tuning forks that are very close they're just phasing against each other yeah if you start flying them around your head that is a binaural effect you're right so there is a way if you have the surround sound files if you want to give them to us i'll make you a binaural version that you can i would love to have that
2: so no i'll totally send that to
0: you yeah, be because, because I,
2: I rarely get to hear it, and yeah. you know the surround sound mix is really the way that record is mm-hmm. to be experienced. So that'd yeah. be great, man. And
3: it's one to one translation, but only in headphones. If you listen to it in regular stereo, it just it's confusing and it doesn't sound right. Oh no, that's fantastic. so that's the downside. Fantastic, yeah, that
1: is cool. Cool. Does your uh, ability ever annoy you or frustrate you? <laughs> there are times you're just like,
2: ah, oh, synesthesia. I don't want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for all synesthetes, everyone's got their little bugbears of things that are just really annoying with it. For me, yeah. it's ticking clocks. It's ah. just, it's oh, uh, wow. Chinese water torture. Okay. You know, where they just drip it on the forehead, yeah, right, yeah, developed yeah, yeah. in the Middle Ages. <laughs> yeah, there. yeah. You know, that's where a ticking clock is. And it's. You know, it's that I'm getting the little flash. It's like trying to go to sleep where there's a flashing Mm, light. Fair enough. Nonstop. And it's not, I can close my eyes, but I can't make the flash stop. So when I'm crashing on sofas, I'm always leaping up and finding a clock and pulling a battery out of the thing. (laughs) It's funny.
0: I sleep to that that sound, actually. I love it.
2: Yeah, Yeah, some people do. For me, it's just (laughs) sheer torture.
0: (laughs) uh, uh,
2: you know and then it'll just be you know sometimes it's useful sometimes it's annoying um Mm -hmm. you know with my car right now there's a loose heat shield on it so every time i'm accelerating i have to hear that little thing but you know because i'm seeing all the sounds my car makes you know you're faster to catch little changes like that because oh today it just looks that bit different
0: right i have such stupid questions running through my mind i'm going to try and ask the most intelligent of the bunch. You can ask Uh, the stupid (laughs) ones too, because usually usually they're the more fun ones. I I had a stupid one I was thinking about hiking and going for a walk. Uh, Are you like seeing like the branches crack and all those things? Yeah,
2: and you know, I was was just up on the Bruce Peninsula the other week and I was thinking about, oh, synesthesia. This is probably one of those things that genetically got preserved for hunting reasons. Mm. Because it is hugely locative. It's like you say, oh, you hear the breaking branches. Then yeah, oh, animal there, Mm. you know. Kill or pet or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Killer, pet, there are you know.
3: linguists and biologists that interpret language as a form of synesthesia that we've all evolved. Um, and onomatopoeia. I mean, it, it well, yeah, it makes sense because if I say $5 foot long, you're all thinking about food. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's just mouth noises and the way that came to be is as our brains grew the input and the output areas used to be really close Mm. so for most animals if you see something the processing from receiving that information to acting on it travels through a very small part of the brain but as our brains grew the input and the output regions sort of came farther from each other so now for any input that we receive it has to travel through our memories and through our thoughts and through our conditioning and everything else and for some people it travels in completely different ways hmm. but hmm. i think we're all develop have synesthesia and are developing more and more but i think music is another well, example well of this is one
2: of the things that the researchers would beg to differ with you on that they'd all say we experience every person experiences it slightly Mm -hmm. But in the synesthetic brain, the brain is wired different. So if you put synesthetes in an fMRI machine and you play stimulus for them, Mm -hmm. you're going to find the way their circuitry is wired is different to non-synesthetes. I've done that. And so, Mm. wow. And so the main thing here is that uh, a lot of the focus in the media and in movies and television these days about synesthesia has all been about the sensory side. Mm, okay. Whereas where the science is now starting to move towards is really looking at, okay, what are the implications of the cross-wired brain that the synesthes okay. have? Because, you know, you're asking me about the visuals of music because it's a bit that's like, oh, wow, hey, seeing sound. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. But the fact is, is, when I'm listening to sound, There's about 12 dimensions or even more of it going on involuntarily, simultaneously. And it's all one big thing to me that's not poking around to find, but all part of one thing that you spin around. Information about like the metadata on the track, where Mm. it was recorded, who's playing on it, what they look like, what the album cover looks like all this information around that sound, you know, what sort of picking style is that? What sort of guitar is that? What sort of amp is it being run through? Mm-hmm. How is it being EQ'd? All that stuff is all just instant and there. And so that's what they're really moving towards looking at is that whole, wow, the cross-wired brain thing they're realizing now mm-hmm. is that thing that is, you know, the the bigger piece of the puzzle. So in fact, in some circles, they're even saying synesthesia has been named incorrectly because really? the word synesthesia, when you break it down, it focuses on the senses. Yet mm. really, there's much more to this going on than the senses. Right. Hmm. So what was your fMRI experience like?
3: That my brain's wired weird. What they were scanning for <laughs> was my uh, ADHD and how that affects me and... Yeah, things are just lighting up in in (laughs) patterns that aren't uh, as common. I think, just from how I feel, I think that's been dying down as I get older. I don't know if that happens to other synesthetes. I mean, I still have all kinds of things, but... So so
2: what are the forms of synesthesia that you have, Matt?
3: Um... One would be sort of the opposite, where certain senses turn off if I'm busy focusing on something else, particularly with sound. If something is loud or <clears throat> um, or distracting, I can't smell. Um, and it used to create smells for me. It doesn't anymore. It just turned that part off. Okay, so uh, you used to have sound to smell, and now you don't. Uh, now I have sound to no smell. okay. Um, I had synesthesia and still do with numbers and letters. And first time I told this to somebody, being my mother, she was like, That is crazy talk. And you're a little mm-hmm. bit crazy. That's fine, but that is crazy. Um, every number has a sort of like a biography, a personality. Yeah. Um,
2: so that's ordinal linguistic synesthesia.
3: Right. Ooh, okay. So, huh. yeah, like 22. 22- or sorry,
2: ordinal personification. Right. Some so
3: 22 or... plus 13 that to me that's an interpersonal conversation that they have in a merger. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. Um and that was always nope. how I did math. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um well kind of like who, yeah, when you when you think about I don't know politicians making decisions, you also think about the politician not just about the decision. Right. right. And okay. it just ended up going that way. There is some um music to other senses that, but I think a lot of us experience that as well. But there um, would be all kinds of references for music and they continue to change. There there was smell uh, for some time. There were not colors, but shades, if that makes sense. Shades, not of a color, not gray or black, but there would be different... Shades almost of colors that humans can't see because it's not within our visual spectrum, but we can imagine them if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so they just looked at the MRI and they're like, You're healthy, but you know, things are shooting crisscross in ways that they shouldn't be.
2: Well, this yeah, a, and it's always a worry too if the uh, fMRI researchers aren't aware of the
3: synesthet research being done with oh, the right, fMRIs, yeah. wow. then they don't know what they're looking at. So they're at. just like ADHD is crazy. Yeah, I don't you think know? they were yeah. looking at synesthesia at the time. That actually reminds me uh, a little bit off course here, but speaking of conditions that you don't speak to anybody of because you think everybody has it, uh, I've recently learned, and it might be connected to synesthesia, you, you tell me, that I have Alice in Wonderland syndrome. Okay, and what's that? Yeah. (laughs) So it's crazy, but it's a thing that happens to me, and then I found it on Wikipedia. I am like, oh, this is a real thing. Um, Sometimes everything, like the perception of everything becomes super, super far away. Everything shrinks and becomes very distant. So like you, if I'm having an episode, would look like you're 40 meters away from me. And so with my hands, and so with my feet everything just becomes super far. Usually it happens at night if I'm watching TV or something and then the TV just goes and shrinks and gets really tiny. Uh, and they think Lewis Carroll had this condition and that inspired him to write Alice in Wonderland and all those shrinky bits. Oh, I think he had a few other inspirations <laughs> yeah. going on
2: there. He definitely <laughs> did. That
0: sounds, that drug sounds terrifying for drugs. Speaking disease. of which, I've
2: only experienced that while exploring those Lewis Carroll type oh. things. Oh, you have it too. Yeah. Uh, uh,
3: see, so we, yeah. we can create or encourage synesthesia in us with certain substances. Is that true? Yes. I guess shrooms does it. Shrooms, right?
2: Exactly. The sensory effects, you can, but it doesn't give the The
3: cross-wired brain. Right, right, right. right.
0: Mm. Uh, Yeah.
3: They just start shooting neurons in other directions, but the wiring isn't different yet.
0: But please pause for a second. This Alice in Wonderland syndrome Uh only happens when you're watching TV, not when you're operating operating a motor vehicle or...
3: Um, Not when I'm operating a motor vehicle, but the thing is it doesn't, just like how you said that you have a different layer to your vision, it doesn't affect my motor skills or anything. Like
0: Nothing changes except the perception.
3: And apparently other people, I got lucky because I always thought, oh, cool, it's happening again. But for other people, apparently it's a point of terror.
1: Where they it's just sit intense. there waiting? Yeah, I'm yeah. like, I'm scared for all of us, especially if I'm sober and that's happening. Like, oh no, just, yeah, trying to have,
0: yeah, <laughs> happens wow. a yeah. fair bit. Where are you going? Come back. Yeah. Yeah. We've got
2: a, a member of the Canadian Synesthesia Association who's one of uh, the only people in the world who developed synesthesia later in life. He had a stroke when mm. he was about forty, I think. Oh wow! And as his brain rewired itself in the six months following his stroke. He developed every form of synesthesia in the every book wow. pretty much, except for the grapheme color ones. It mm. Sounds awful. And yeah. I really love wow. talking to the guy because I can ask him things like, so what's it like to hear music and not see it? Mm. And he's able to tell me because he's lived both lives with both right. types of brains. Yeah. Right? Oh,
0: yeah. Wow. So that's, How does he describe
2: uh, it?
3: Uh,
2: oh, he says that uh, one interesting thing with him is he, he often says, that before he had his stroke and before he developed synesthesia, mm-hmm. if he was listening to something like this, he would be thinking it through and going, okay, I, I think I can understand that. Mm. Yeah, I, I I understand that. Mm-hmm. But having it, he's like, yeah, no, he wouldn't really fully understand what it's like to live in, through the world in this amazing way. Yeah. And oh, wow. he lost the use of his right hand you know, with his stroke. And he always says that he'd far rather have all these forms of synesthesia than to get his right hand back just because his life is such a richer place. And his experience of things like music is just so much a richer experience that, you know, before in his life, he'd never just put on an album and just go off on a ride for 45 minutes through all these abstract experiences. And, you know, so... It's an enhancement is his main takeaway. Yeah, it? yeah.
3: So for for charter meetings, because the thing about synesthesia and talking about it, getting together is that there's no way for you to share, at least not until Neuralink is up, Elon, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> Actually,
2: I want to pause you there because you're damn right about that. Mm-hmm. And... W- Yes, synesthetics, when we get together, which we do in Toronto once a month in non-pandemic times, Mm -hmm. we love bitching about all these crummy videos on YouTube. They're like, oh, this is synesthesia. Mm. Oh, it's It's just like iTunes visualizer done badly by someone at home, which is not synesthesia. That's just multimedia art. Right yeah. With synesthesia, it's all around right. you And there's an emotional component to it mm-hmm. You don't get the emotional component When you're looking at someone's crummy little multimedia Ooh, this is synesthesia mm. on YouTube Emotional, video. Yeah, yeah,
3: I like that you're saying that Because with math, for me, it's more with numbers than letters There is an emotional component e- Even though it's a faint one now Anytime I, I, you know, 5 plus 5 is 10 Some emotion is depleted there on that interaction. <laughs> yeah. <Huh>. yeah. <laughs>
2: you know, what stood out to me the most, one of my favorite synesthet meetups we had in Toronto, uh, there was a young man who came and he had autism as well as synesthesia. And mm. there's a suspected mm. link to that, though they I haven't quite worked that, out yeah. 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 what it is at this point, Though there's a lot of research going on there. And it was interesting because like you met, he had a personification form of synesthesia. He had object personification. So all objects have a personality and a backstory going on to him. Mm. and it's all completely huh. involuntary. It's just
3: wow. boom Yeah, it's not like I came there. up with these and I'm sure he didn't exactly he didn't sit there and yeah, go it's one, not like yeah. you
2: sat and wrote, Yeah, twenty two, this'll be its exactly. story. And yeah. yeah, oh yeah, 23, oh, yeah, he's an <laughs> asshole. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. You know. And so he was telling us how nine is smug you know, by the way. <laughs> okay. With his autism, he's got the stunted side of emotions yeah. to it. Mm. And so he's saying if he sees, he loves his mother because he knows he's meant to, you know. Mm. And if he sees a little girl lost in the street, he knows he's meant to care and meant to help her. Mm. And so he would. If he saw a chair out in the street, he would be feeling Oh, my God, the poor chair. Where's the wow. other three members of its right. family? Right. Oh, wow. I've got to help the chair. Mm, and intense. through his personification synesthesia, he was able to understand the emotions mm. he should experience for other things. Wow. Not should, but it yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. would be, yeah, So normative.
3: Wow. Wow. That's the the, a whole the chair right family, there. we're going to reunite them. <laughs> Hashtag reunite the chairs. <laughs> um, but going back to these meetings... How does, I should go to one of these meetings, but what are these meetings like since you guys can't show each other what's going on? So you said there's an element of sort of sharing stories and complaining about how the normies don't get us.
2: Yep, a lot Sorry, of guys. that, a lot okay. of that. What else? Yeah, um, one thing that's great is when someone's talking about the synesthesia in one of these meetings, uh, they'll be talking about things they're seeing, and the, in the abstract layers of mm-hmm. stuff, those who have sight-related forms of synesthesia, mm-hmm. and they'll start using words to describe some of the shapes they're seeing. They'll use a word like translucent, right. and then everyone else will go like, "Damn, yeah, right, good word." <laughs> yeah. you know, if, you know, my shapes are translucent too. You, of course, you're getting yours based on people's personalities. I'm getting mine based on sound, but right. yeah, mm-hmm. translucent, good word for describing some of this stuff, and. All of the people who've come to those meetings have found, it, I'll tell you, like 80% of synesthetes have multiple forms of it. Oh. Hmm. So the thing is, as you hear about other synesthetes' experiences, you start realizing other forms of it that you do have. Right. Also, your understanding of your own synesthesia becomes enhanced because you're more aware of it. It's mm-hmm. not just a sense going on in the background. Right. right. Okay. And there's this weird thing is, you know, all our student learning in the schools It's all set up so that students learn about touch, they learn about taste, they learn about smells, they learn what we call the colors. Well, there's Mm -hmm. none of that for these synesthetic perceptions. And so talking about it it helps us understand and enhance it sort of thing. Yeah, is that why you started it? Um, I started because the American Synesthesia Association was doing a conference up here in 2013. yeah, And uh, I'd reached out to the conference organizers. It was at OCAD University here. And they were like, this is great because none of us are synesthetes. We'd love to have a synesthet on board with helping with this. I'm like, sure, I'll help you on out with that. And the week before the conference, I was saying how I'd been waiting years for someone to start a Canadian Synesthesia Association Mm -hmm. finally. And they looked at me and went, yeah, and you have to do it. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> right. You are. You, <laughs> you know? pulled And in. so I did it. And it's just been this expanding, growing thing. Sorry, what year you was know? that? Uh, 2013. 2013.
0: Oh, and okay. it
2: was great because, you know, we've had hundreds of people sign up across the country and mm-hmm. I never quite knew what I'd do with them. Right. Then mm-hmm. the pandemic <laughs> presented this great opportunity for Zoom calls across the country. Yeah, so true. Yeah, we did yeah. these Zoom calls across each region of Canada in the winter. And for a lot of the synestets, you know, if you live in, in Medicine Hat, Alberta, that right. was their first time they ever got to meet another sinister and what they all absolutely loved is not having to explain it Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just for them to be talking about everyone going oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah Yeah. instead of what the fuck right okay crazy weird i think i can understand (laughs) that (laughs) you know and so there is that real camaraderie that comes across that kind of thing and then we did another round of zoom calls uh, where it was people organized by the types of synesthesia uh, they had. Uh, right, right. So, and I think it was the first time that you know, sixteen people who taste sounds had ever talked to each other taste about sounds, it. Yeah. Right, and yeah. just you know, a kind of relief, a camaraderie, a sense that okay, it's not that weird, yeah, but right, it is. You Know and people yeah. just talking about being able to share experiences about oh, I had this roommate, her name tasted like vomit. I had to hear her name all the time, I had oh, to read man. her name on envelopes, and it tasted like vomit.
3: And then yeah. someone, like, oh, well, yeah, I can't blame him. Her yeah. name was you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's and somebody
2: else's. I had a boyfriend like that, I had to dump them oh,
3: because of the sound
1: of the way their name tasted. Yeah, it's interesting. They thought, oh, I can
3: get past that. And then it's it's just like, no. Forever (laughs) present. What's interesting is you said a moment ago, um, what did you say? What we think is color? You said something like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting that that is the truth, that we have sensors that bring information into our brains, but then how we perceive it is a product of evolution and, and things that helped us, but... There's, we've talked about it before, there's probably a planet where all of its inhabitants see vibrating air particles, vibrate, sound, right. and hear light. It's just a matter of, it's like when you have a, a, a photo, a JPEG file on your computer, you can right click and open it as text. right? You can hmm. right click and open it with other apps. It doesn't have to be with the imaging mm, app. Right. So it's just raw data coming into your brain and how it gets disseminated and interpreted. Depends and I guess, on your processor. Yeah, and yeah. I guess sometimes you get new insight when looking at the data in a different way. Right, sure yeah. point,
2: yeah. And Pretty we have true. lots of senses that aren't fully recognized. In the, in the science community... They're very much moving on from this idea of having five senses. Mm-hmm. That's from the ancient Greeks. That's right. Aristotle, five right. senses. Yeah. And I think they're now up to like officially recognize at 22 senses. Really? I mean, wow. and we use it in our language all the time. You talk about having a sense of danger. Mm-hmm. And you know what that's like For when sure. you have a sense of danger? Yeah. You haven't necessarily seen anything bad yet, but you just feel that hyper alertness, yeah. all that going on. Spidey senses. You know, sense of direction. <laughs> Right?
0: Yeah. yeah, And
2: so with synestats, all those types of senses people often have as well. You know, oh, Mm. it's
3: red, so it's north, you know, things
2: like that. Fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating.
3: And I I think it is something that might be more or less common across different cultures because there are Mm. cultures where cardinal direction is built into their words for direction. Like they don't have. Uh, straight back left right, they always speak in north and south. And studies show that those people I forget where they're from, but studies show that those people um, under MRIs do have different connections with navigation in their brain. Hmm. So it's almost like, I mean, neuroplasticity. So I, I wonder if some synesthesia is cause caused by something that happened to the person how that person was raised or how that person is and how that gels with how they were raised.
2: Well, yeah, and it's interesting because at a synesthesia conference I was at, uh, I was speaking at, at Harvard, I guess, four years ago, um, one of the things that came on up was that a lot of us who had sound vision-related synesthesia had yeah. really bad eyesight when we were born. Mm. Right. And so, like, I was wearing glasses from Mm. the time I was three. And so, it would make sense. The theory is that all babies are born with their senses crosswired. And in the first six months, things split on out. Mm. And in synesthetes, some of these things stay interlinked. Gotcha. And so, the thinking is that, um, you know, it doesn't split. And because, you know, I couldn't really see, of course, my sound, my vision, it's working that bit harder in a different way. Yeah. And so that's why that link was preserved possibly in me. So it's one of the things they're researching that they don't quite know yet. Um, But it's definitely speaking to a lot of synesthets. There seems to be possible links to that stuff. Hmm. Some people trace their synesthesia back to traumatic experiences they Mm. had. You know, things like the ability to understand personalities, getting colors off people and that, that yeah. can get tied back to that and, and what some synesthets have told me.
1: Does volume play a factor in any of your specifics, uh, synesthesias? I don't it know it
2: changes it. the size of the shapes that I see. Right. So if you
1: walked in a room of a bunch of kids like screaming and yelling, the size of the shapes would vary. Or would it still? Yeah, kind that's of- a
2: real ugly m- kind of mess. Okay. <laughs> like okay. just ugly mess of squiggles. Oh, if wow. it's a bunch of kids, there's probably a reverby room, so the squigglers are just bouncing all over the place, shaded right. by a. Dark reverb, kind of cloud behind them. I'd love to be. Yeah, it's not often that I feel left out, but yeah, man, I'm That's just trying to picture. Oh, we
0: leave you out a lot. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel left out though. You can leave
2: you. me out of the room full of screaming kids. Yeah, sure. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: so
3: speaking of that, I've I've heard of people who like the the names that taste like vomit. Situation, right? Are are you guys working in any treatment? any exercises to get rid of that? Because what if your mom's name makes you taste poop? What do you do, right? If that's just Well, life. this is the thing. Mm. The
2: people who taste words, none of them would ever want to get rid of tasting words. It's just a thing that makes their life sure. a richer experience. Right. Though it does have some downsides. But overall, it's just like, wow. The form of synesthesia that does prove to be more problematic is it's called mere touch synesthesia. And it's okay. really the highest level of synesthesia. And with mirror touch synesthetes, if, if they saw your arm get pinched, they'd feel it on their own arm. Ooh. If they saw your arm get chopped off, they'd feel as if their own arm has been chopped off. Ooh. And so with that one, it's a really tough way to go through the world. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially wow. if they don't know that's what they've got and that's what's mm. going on. Right. And so they have this sort of hyper empathy that they experience. And for them, it can be hard. There was one, I was talking to Mira Touch Sinistat, who's living out in Vancouver, and her bus to work, it goes through one of the real homeless streets there. Yeah, And she just can't look out the window because she feels wow. all of their emotions, huh. any pains going on out there, she feels it as if it's her own. Wow. And for them, it's an area where we're trying to do more and really just getting them together to talk to each other is one of the best things we can do. Right. But there is no ways around it. You know, it yeah, is yeah. that um, there's some thoughts on whether there's potential drugs that can reduce the speed mm. at which they experience the things yeah. to slow it down. But again, also for them, what they experience is one of the greatest joys in their life. While they have those sorts of negative experiences seeing people in pain, things like sex are the complete opposite sort of thing. Interesting.
1: Or watching someone win something
0: maybe. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Right.
2: You know, so, you know, it's not like they want to be rid of it, but it's definitely, you know, it's a harder ticket than some of the other forms of synesthesia. Absolutely.
0: Are there generally things maybe even for yourself um, that maybe enhance the experience like alcohol or... Oh, well, drugs, drugs definitely yeah, like enhance psychedelics. It. Well, I, imagine you know, that. I, mean, like, I could be, you know, I mean,
2: like psychedelic way, yeah. music on psychedelics is one thing. Right. Psychedelic music on psychedelics with <laughs> synesthesia yeah, I
1: could only imagine. is a
2: whole okay. other thing there. Right? Too much. Yeah, there was actually a, there, at the Harvard conference after I'd given my talk, there was one of the scientists there who came up to me and he, I could see he was itching to ask me something, Yeah. but didn't want it. I'm like, go ahead, you can ask. He's like, what's it you like on drugs? Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's like, it's absolutely question. awesome, but also I don't know what it's like to not right. have seen this oh, okay. yeah. and experience those things. Yeah. But I just know for me that, yeah, it is truly the way music looks with those things combined is
0: Sounds quite wonderful. phenomenal. So, has it just been since you started the foundation, or the association? association that you started getting these opportunities to speak? Like you mentioned the Harvard opportunities that uh, were these all- stuck, Yeah, stuff no, from?
2: and that's been a great thing. There's this mm. whole amazing little world of scientists and artists yeah. who are pushing the whole thing forward mm. and have been doing so for about 20 years. So I've only been a part of that since 2013, but it's a really great international community that's expanding. It's There's now a Synesthesia Association in Russia. Mm. And wow. we did a conference out there in 2019 uh, the International Association of Synesthetes Artists and Scientists did. Mm. And it was truly great. Just people from Africa, Iraq, America, Canada, yeah. Australia, all there, That's the top researchers cool. in the world, and then wow. people running these associations and then artists using synesthesia in their crafts, presenting how they use it and that.
0: Wow. And I've, I did read that you've traveled to like a hundred countries or so. Is I have that, indeed. Is yeah. that related, or is that just a lifelong? No,
2: that's just you know. I started working in music uh, for my living when I was nineteen okay. at a major record label, and I've worked in music ever since. And so, when your hobby becomes your living, then you need a different hobby. So my mm-hmm. hobby's always been travel. Got you. And just. Uh, taking off with a backpack and checking out some new place and meeting some new people and seeing what life's like there.
0: yeah sounds
1: which one which place changed your like which place did you go in and left with a completely different outlook as to the experience you had there
2: well, for me, that'd be Prague, but that wasn't a trip. I ended up moving there accidentally in 93 and lived there. How do you accidentally move to Prague? <laughs> I was just backpacking okay, and okay. passed through it. And I thought I was on a trip around the world, and I was only like a week into it. Mm-hmm. And I dropped into the record company office in Prague of a label I'd worked for in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And everyone there was 21, 22, like I was. Yeah at setting up this major label office there. And they're like, oh, you've worked for the label there. You've seen how they do it. Do you want to set up our marketing department? I'm like, um... Yeah, I graduated university three weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, and also we yeah. had a lot of great bands. It was Geffen Records in 93, which nice, was the nice, label. Yeah, so we had Nirvana and Aerosmith right. and Guns N' Roses. And offices and, in Prague? You know, yeah. Huh. Yeah, and back. <laughs> and then, you know, we we're part of BMG. So, you know, Whitney Houston, David Bowie, all that stuff. We had wow, a lot of catalog time, yeah. to live off Elvis and Lou Reed, all Why that. Why Prague, though? Why yeah. was the record label in Prague? Uh, because it was the major label office there. So major labels, they've got offices in about 50 countries around the world, gotcha. and they were just expanding into Eastern Europe after the revolution in the early oh, 90s. Okay. So it was the second major to open up there. Right. And so it was truly mm-hmm. amazing living in a country that was run by artists mm-hmm. rather than businessmen, lawyers, mm. and other such wankers. <laughs> <laughs> what happened was under communism in Czechoslovakia, yep. they jailed a band that was just making out their music based on the Velvet Underground. Mm. And so the jailing of all these artists' favorite band... It united all the poets, the philosophers, all these other musicians, the playwrights, mm-hmm. all the artists came together going, screw you, communist government. This is a step too far. You have jailed our favorite underground band. Yeah. Yeah. Too far. So they formed an organization, <laughs> the first human rights organization behind the Iron Curtain, mm-hmm. and they waited till the time was right. They waited 12 years. They saw things happening in Germany, and then they mobilized the students, mobilized their artist connections, and after, you know, a few weeks of peaceful protest, they brought down the communist government that had been running the country for nearly fifty years. Wow. And then they were like, oh shit. We're now the government. Their objective was never to become the government. It was just to get rid of the totalitarian regime. So slowly over the next five years, they all kind of filtered on out of the government left and Uh, and businessmen, lawyers, and other such wankers came on in. (laughs) And it became like any other country, but living there under a government of artists, Absolutely fantastic. It Sounds, was, yeah. Prague was like, Prague in the 90s was like the San Francisco of the 60s, mm. but there was no Vietnam War. Right. It was just, right, everything yeah. was good, money flooding into the place. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't Western and right. it wasn't Soviet. Right. It right. was a complete freedom of thought that existed in between those two systems there. So wow. that was an amazing experience to have carried through living in a country, essentially run on a beatnik philosophy. Yeah, yeah. Xanadu. Well, how long were you there? Uh, nearly five years. And then I went to Russia, which was just awful. Awful, eh? Just <laughs> awful. <laughs> I haven't heard Moscow, many good things. <laughs> just, Moscow in 97 was the biggest shithole on Earth and also the third most expensive place to live really? on the planet behind Tokyo and Osaka. Back then? Wow. Yeah. Yet your average Muscovite only oh, earned oops. 200 US dollars a month. So it's just mass white poverty. Right. Mm. You know, people growing cabbages in window boxes, you yeah, know? yeah, yeah breeding cats to stand outside subway stations to sell them. And even that person has to pay to mafia, right? Right, How long were you there for? Only six months. And then I got out. I was was meant to be there permanently. I was like, no, this is just bad. Right. You know? And and the country was falling apart. The uh, the teachers hadn't been paid in a year. Pensioners hadn't been paid in two years. The army hadn't been paid in months. Wow. You know, you had all these old Soviet factories trying to repurpose themselves. So Mm -hmm. one factory that used to make nautical equipment for ships changed into making dildos, had no money to pay their workers, so they'd pay them (laughs) in dildos. Go, here, you sell your own dildos. dildos." (laughs) They just repurposed periscopes. (laughs) Yeah, you know, so mirrors on there. uh, Awful place to live, but uh, going back there in 2019, I was blown away. Just truly one of the most magnificent cities on earth. Wow! uh, Just before the pandemic
0: hit. Wow. You know, that is a interesting story. Yeah,
2: I understand more wow. why uh, the West is putting the boot into Russia so much. I had no idea they'd risen to such heights once
0: again. Mm. And you saw the before and the after, so Yeah, yeah. And, and
2: you know, my soprano hadn't really been to much of Europe other than Germany until we were doing some shows, 2019 and the start of 2020. And going to both Moscow and London, I remember her saying to me that, uh, okay, Greg, I like London, but Moscow is magnificent. Wow. Uh, huh.
0: And And yeah. who were you traveling with at that point?
2: Uh, that I was traveling with the Flowers of Hell. Russia was for the Flowers of Hell to play a synesthesia conference there at the Moscow Conservatory. Oh, cool. mm. And that was a bit of a fight to get us on the bill there. It's a very hallowed space in classical music. Though they don't promote oh. themselves well in English on the net because they don't care. They're right. Russian. Yeah. But Tchaikovsky <laughs> right. taught there. The 1812 Overture is the first thing he wrote after leaving it. Mm. you know. And Scriabin, yeah. Rachmaninov, Rimsky-Korsakov, Prokofiev, all these great Russian composers studied there yeah. and performed there. And uh, we're really fortunate that they liked what we did, and they've invited us back to do this world premiere of uh, my symphony there. So, oh, very cool. Yeah. so i've become very back into russia i'm glad i learned a bit of the language for when i lived there the first time around
0: yeah amazing here's a strange question for you i hope my source isn't completely off or else we're just going to cut this (laughs) is there a time that a ukulele may have saved your life
2: oh yeah yes (laughs) yes yes. okay we got that one yeah no that was pretty brutal i mean I really feel that I have been lucky. I've taken a lot of risks in life to get to do a lot of amazing things. Yeah. And I've always survived these risks. (laughs) You know? (laughs) I know, sadly, it's only a matter of time until you take one risk too many. And that nearly Mm happened to me in Papua New Guinea uh, back in 2010. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I'd always wanted to see Papua New Guinea. And, you know, I was fascinated for... What must the music of cannibals sound like? Mm. And, you know, they're only really a generation removed from that. Right. And so I'm like, okay, well, if they're singing out, what does that sound like? People are that connected to primordial humanness, right? And so I wanted to go and hear the music of cannibals, which I knew would just be them singing in, like, gospel churches and that, but does it sound any different? What's it like? What's their soul-like kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. And I was playing a festival in some festival shows in the UK before heading there. So I didn't have a chance to read up on it, but yeah. just was reading the guidebook on the plane, got to the western part of Papua that's occupied by Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that their rebels were fighting to get rid of the Indonesian occupation of that part of the island. And so I ended up caught up in this whole demonstration, and I was. Basically chased by demonstrators who were evolving oh, into lynch mob, oh, no. and I managed to get into my hotel. And this hotel staff were, oh, go hide in the kitchen. You know, I'm hid in this kitchen as the gosh. lynch mob's pounding, pounding outside. Like, I'm like looking around. Scary. There's no pot yeah. of boiling water, no yeah, big yeah. knives like you see oh, in the God. movie. And then I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, do I hunt for the knives? And if they come on oh, in God. here, do I like? Go at them with the knives. I'm like, no, I'm better to go Gandhi. It'll be, you know, <laughs> better so that slander. than yeah. hacking away at some of them. It'll right. just, you know, but I knew if they were pulling me, it would be pulled limb for limb, right? Right, right. right. Mm. And then the occupying army came on in. Thank God. They didn't know if I was a spy or not. And, you know, journalists are banned from there. So they were suspecting me of being a spy. They're banned. That's crazy. And then to make things easier for them, they were going, okay, but we will look after you. You are our friend, so we will take you with us. I'm like, because if the Indonesian army gets you, that will not be good. So I'm like, okay, the occupying army, you know, rebel army threatening to save me from the occupying army I'm like this isn't good you know so I went to my room stashed some of my money hidden around the room stashed other bits of army shoved my pockets full of underwear because I knew these guys lived down in rainforest and camp I'm thinking if I'm going to be you know (laughs) living in a rainforest as a prisoner for a while I'm going to want some underwear and then I saw my ukulele and I'm going to want something to write some tunes on so I grabbed the ukulele and went back down to the restaurant where the soldiers were having their meeting. Mm-hmm. And I was just feeling fully traumatized at that point. And I just started playing the ukulele feeling I might never get to play music or do anything again.
0: Intense.
2: And I was just off in a trauma music trance kind of thing. <laughs> and then I noticed one of the soldiers Just kind of nodding his head to the music and getting a bit of a faraway look. And that's him move, the motion of his head pulled me out of my jazz trance or whatever. (laughs) I was like, oh shit, this is having some effect. I better play, I am playing good, but I better keep it at this level because it's having some effect here. And sure enough, within a moment, he stood up yelled at the other soldiers, and they all stood up, walked out. And the hotel staff came over, gave me a big group hug, going, oh, Mr. Greg, Mr. Gregg, wow. We did not think it would end that way. Wow. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah, but the hotel manager, he was a it's Chinese guy man. living there. And I felt like I was in some awesome kung fu film when he was going to me. But a lot of you must leave town by sunrise, <laughs> you know? I'm like, wow. You know, I'm like, but master, who will protect you if the bad men come back to the hotel? You know, And sure enough, <laughs> so he had a funny. buddy come with a car, pick me up just before sunrise, and he would take me to the farthest strip of uh, then there until I could get on out into Papua proper. Interesting. Uh, yes, yeah, so... It's all been bonus time ever since.
0: Yeah, okay. wow. wow. Music saved his life. And look, right above you there. It's a ukulele. It's a symbol. Oh, yeah. No, I'm <laughs> a bit freaked a... out by ukulele. ever since. It's not sense, real. So, <laughs> you
3: know? <laughs> I'm going to drop the mic. Yeah, it right. must just be a synesthetic vision. <laughs> You're like Batman with bats now. <laughs> yeah. you know? yeah. Yeah. You're the ukulele man, but you can't see any without getting scared. Yeah.
0: That's incredible. Yeah. yeah, what a great story. Great conversation.
3: But how did you get to Canada?
0: Oh, we're not done with that. No, yeah. I'm I mean, curious. There are a yeah. lot of questions. Oh, yeah. I was
2: born in Canada, oh, and an so accent. I Where'd grew up here and left from? when I was 21. You know, But my, my mom's Irish and my dad's British. And you say Wanka, and you, you said know? something else yeah. that had a real flair to it, well, too. It's also it, moving to Prague at 21. Uh, I lived there, f, you know, for four nearly five years, then okay. in Russia and yeah, then in yeah, Poland, yeah. right? Where they all speak British English, right? So, you know, like, you know, when I moved to Prague, people ask me where I'm from. I'm like, I'm from Tirana, yeah. you know, <laughs> right. and they're like, Tirana, oh, you speak good English for an Albanian, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, I'm from Tirana, right? They're like, right yes, right. Albania. <laughs> Oh yes, you know That's it's funny. like no, not Tirana, Tirana, <laughs> Tirana you know. Tirana. That's so you, you just naturally evolve to get heard, kind of thing. Gotcha, and okay. uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. and then, you know, it, eight yeah. years in London also then just right adds on to. It. And sometimes gets... you're just talking, and there's a word that the British have that we don't, like yeah, wanker. It's the best word. <laughs> we I love don't, that word he's yeah. a jerk off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just not really the I same agree. kind of totally thing, you know. Yeah, jerk off is the result of the wanker. Yeah. Yes, oh. this is true. Yes. <clears throat> what's a verb? I what's mean? a noun?
0: Uh... Now yeah. all of a sudden my synesthesia kicks in, I get perfect visuals. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> Can you taste it? <laughs>
3: no. <laughs> On that note. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It's that's, that's
0: <laughs> awesome. been a pleasure speaking with you, Greg. Really um, awesome. You've done so much. You've lived quite a life. We didn't even get to really dive into most of your, a lot of your professional life, but. Uh, Please let people know where they can follow up on your, or follow your journey, social media, whatever And the website. Yeah, uh,
2: the Flowers of Hell Instagram. That's the main place I am online these days. Nice. Though for those with synesthesia, as (laughs) I was mentioning earlier, you'll find the Canadian Synesthesia Association online. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, just sign on up and... uh, Will eventually be in touch with you when you're doing something in your area. Or you got questions about your synesthesia, or you've heard something you're not sure if you have synesthesia. Just uh, message me through the Canadian Synesthesia Association, and I'll try to help you on out.
0: Awesome! Nice. Thank Thanks you! Again. Thanks so awesome. much! Thanks really for stopping
3: great. by. Hopefully, we can have you in the studio again. We
2: well, yeah, thank you guys. Questions. It's
3: a good thing you got going on here.
0: Ukulele free next you, time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put it, put I it away I right, right <laughs> above his head. <laughs> Freaking me oh. out. Yeah. All right, take care, everyone.
1: As a podcaster, you know that great content is only half the battle. The other half is finding the right hosting platform to reach your audience. That's where Captivate comes in. With unlimited podcasts, advanced analytics, and personalized support, Captivate has everything you need to grow your audience and monetize your show. Join the thousands of successful podcasters just like us who trust Captivate for their hosting needs. Visit DNAairwaves.com slash Captivate today to start your free trial.